The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hi, guys. Hey guys. Welcome to another episode of the IMG Roadmap Podcast. Today, I have Dr. Eric Hackman with us on the show. Welcome on the show, Dr. Hackman. Thank you. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you went to school, what makes you an IMG, and those nitty details that we like to hear? Sure. I'd love to share with you and all your followers. So first off, I did my undergrad at uh, San Francisco State University. I studied uh, biophysiology. And then from there, I applied to a bunch of U.S. med schools. I thought I'd be a shoe and I thought I'd get in. And after the first round, I didn't get in. And, uh, you know, I was left with the decision to make, do I, you know, take another year, year and a half to, you know, restudy, wait for the next cycle, or do I start literally in three months, start my medical school career? And so I looked at my options and, you know, I talked to some people that have been down that path before. And I, and I went ahead with the decision and uh, went to Caribbean med school. Uh, graduated last year, and now I'm a first-year resident in emergency medicine, and I'm loving every minute of it. I'm so happy. Yes, amazing. Congratulations. I mean, I hear a lot from other folk that attempted to get into medical school here, and, and then, you know, later on chose the pathway of going to the Caribbean, and it's, I'm so grateful that it's worked out for all of us to try that. So congratulations to you. So you mentioned that you are currently an emergency medicine resident. So we're really going to go into what it takes to become an EM resident, especially as a graduate of a foreign school. Can you walk us through maybe, you know, what you would consider from your journey the requirements for EM residency. Can you tell us a little bit about what makes applicants stand out? Sure, sure. So I would say the, the, when it all boils down to is just always doing your best. Always give it 150%. Because not only is that important during your medical school journey, studying, studying for your boards, but it's so much more so, and I didn't realize this going into emergency medicine, but it's so much more so, it holds true, as an ER resident, I am working so hard. I've never worked this hard in my life. I'm working tirelessly. I love every minute of it. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's uh, it's just at the end of the day, you just always got to work hard. And so um, through med school, through studying, you always just got to keep giving it your best. I know if 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 you don't if, it, if one of your exams doesn't go well, that's okay. Just keep doing your best. Like ask yourself what you you know what did you do wrong, correct those things, and keep keep at it. Yeah, definitely. Hard work goes a long way. And I think one thing that you're pointing out too is being intentional and being repetitive as far as, you know, we don't work hard for one day and then stop. You continue to do that even once you get into residency. Like you continue to put your best forward. Yeah. So really some specific questions that come up with that is, you know, what are the score requirements? Like what did you make or what do I have to make if I wanted to match EM? That's one of the questions I get a lot of times is, doc, if I want to do general surgery, what score do I need? If I want to do family medicine, what score do I need? So we're asking you specifically for EM, you know, because we know you've researched this, you've been through this before. 
is there a score target that we need to get to? And if you don't mind to share your experience with the boards. Yeah, of course, of course. So I remember, you know, going through the process and looking, what is that golden score that you need to get to be considered for an EM residency? And I think when I was looking at it, it was around like 240 for U.S. citizen IMGs. And so throughout my first and second year, third year of med school, you know, going for step one and step two, that was always my goal. And so when I was studying for it, that, you know, that's, that was the number I was trying to hit. But in reality, what happened was I actually ended up scoring a 231 on step one. And for me, initially, that was devastating. You know, you, you have this number that, you know, you've been trying to hit for such a long time. You pretty much, you know, you, you're writing your whole career on this number. And then you feel like a failure. When in actuality, it's not a bad score. That's still a good score. It's still at, like at average or above average. And um, as long as you hit that minimum, so each program has kind of their minimum step score requirements to get in. And although, yes, 240 to 245 are, is the average score for a USIMG for emergency medicine, each program has a minimum score that you need to hit to get your foot into the door. And as long as you hit that score, that, that I think it was 230, you'll be okay. They're going to look at your application. And so that's where you need to take into consideration the rest of your application and make that as best as you can to be the strongest applicant. And so another important thing also, which reminds me, don't beat yourself up if you don't hit a score you, you know, that you were going for. It's okay. You know, keep going. Don't give up. Right. Right. I agree. Now you did mention that you did mention for us to consider the other parts of our application. And that's what I usually call like the CV builders. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you would consider important for EM? We know about, you can touch on maybe like the slowies and why that is important and what that is even, you know, is research important is rotating at an EM facility or a facility with an EM residency program as a student, an AI, those things important in EM. Can you touch a little bit on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, everything that you just mentioned, I mean, pretty much is important uh, for those CV builders uh, in EM. So you really need to make yourself as an EM applicant, the best applicant you can be outside of your step score. So I, I would say the couple, the two or three most important things are one, those slows, which are standardized letters of evaluation. It's your letter of rec specific to emergency medicine. So it's written by the program directors of the emergency department that you rotated at. And it's standardized across all rotators. And so it's an objective way programs are able to evaluate you. And so as a rotator in EM, trying to match into EM, you better be a rock star on that rotation. So just, you know, show up every day early, leave late, know your, you know, just shine during the rotation. So if you can know, you know, the heart score, your Welch criteria, these little, you know, little algorithms that EM physicians follow, to help in the decision-making. If you kind of know these little nuances, you'll definitely shine uh, during your rotation. You'll stand out. Also, besides your slowies, I think research is very important. And it's difficult. You know, as INGs, I don't have, you know, a standard, you know, a, a, I don't have a research department at my school that can, you know, feed me a bunch of papers and get, you know, get me published a bunch of times. So that's, that's a difficult uh, hurdle for us IMGs. 
So you really need to put yourself out there and just try and get published as much as you can. So during each rotation, so my first two years in med school, I really didn't have any, any research, but I was able to pump a couple publications out during my third and fourth year of med school as a rotator. You know, when I rotated through OB-GYN, I got on board with the paper with the OB department. Another one I got involved with, which I think your listeners, I think they would love this. It's something called Stat Pearls, S-T-A-T, Pearls, P-E-A-R-L-S, StatPearls.com. It's basically the whole motto for this program that Stat Pearls is, is they want free medical education for all. And you'll, they'll publish, you, you pick a topic with somebody that's an expert in the field, so you find an, uh, an attending, you pick, a, you pick a subject, you publish with them, and you'll get a PubMed ID. I got a couple of those, and you're just able to stack your CV with a couple with publications. And as an applicant, I'm, I really feel that having multiple research on your CV really helps weigh in your favor, helps weigh the application, tips, you know, tips the scale towards your favor when they see, hey, you know what, this candidate may have scored an average score, but hey, they pumped out three, four, four publications, two, two applications, whatever the number is. I feel like if they're a resident here, then I'm not having to worry about this applicant having trouble producing publications while they're a resident. Because keep in mind, program directors, they have their, their quota that they have to hit to keep their program accredited. And so they need to be able to pump out a certain amount of papers, the publications. And so if they see that they have an applicant that already pumped a few out, they kind of see you as a person that's low risk on having to, that a low risk person not being able to publish. Right. But I think publications are important. Exactly. So those are actually the two top things. And then just always be a rock star. Like I said in the beginning, always do your best no matter what rotation you're in, especially EM, because EM encompasses most specialties. So if you know if you're not if you're not feeling one rotation and the attending see, kind of see that and they reflect what they see in your eval, that's probably going to hurt you. So always shine. Very true. I would say that. Yeah, very yeah. true. I was just listening and nodding the whole time because everything you hit on is so, it's so important. And I'm going to get that huh. website and we'll put it in the show notes so that anyone that's interested can visit that website. I've never heard of it. And so I'm going to have you to spell it again for us. Is that stat poll? Can you say that again? Can you tell us what that was? Sure. So it's uh, statpearls.com, S-T-A-T. P-E-A-R-L-S, pearls, like what you wear around your neck, the necklace. Okay. So little pearls, words of wisdom, staff pearls. It's a great, great tool for the medical community. And for those interested in needing to get publications and get a PubMed ID, boom, that's, that's your end. And it's really, really easy for the most part. It took me a weekend, just one weekend. I, you know, I, I think I did mine on uh, paradoxical embolisms and, uh, I think it definitely helps in my match, in my match story. Yeah, definitely. I think it's sometimes, you know, students don't realize that research for a medical student doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be bench research in a lab. It can be if that's what you have the opportunity to pursue. But it's just really about your intellectual curiosity and your ability to understand basic like epidemiology. So you can always present a cross-sectional survey. You can always present a case report. Those are not in heavy research 
papers because it just takes one patient and maybe reading up on that topic and creating a poster presentation and presenting that at Grand Round or at a medical conference. And that is enough to go on your CV as a report. And that would usually go under, I believe, scholarly activity on the ERAS application. So, you know, sometimes I think IMGs, we mystify the whole research topic to think maybe we deserve to, well, we need to have an MPH or something related, but it could be as easy as a case report. It could be an, as easy as a cross-sectional survey. It could be a, as easy as a quality improvement project. And then there's bench research too, which is great, but you don't always have to have that. You can just participate in a valid scholarly activity to get you to the same place. So thank you for mentioning Exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You just, like you, like you mentioned with ERAS, like you just need to, do not have an empty box in ERAS. <laughs> like hit, you know, if, if there's an area for publication, have something there. Don't, you know, don't put it on a pedestal where it needs to be this bench work, just like you're saying. Exactly. Just have something. Don't have anything empty on that application. Right, right. All right. So we didn't touch on this, but where did you go to medical school? Because I'm sure at this point, everyone listening is wondering, because you just mentioned the Caribbean, and we probably want to know what school. So I went to the beautiful island of St. Martin. I went to American University of the Caribbean. Uh, and it was an amazing, amazing time. I couldn't think of a better place to study medicine. And I got a top-tier education. I had some great, great professors from different universities around the U.S. It was a great time. Right. And great then the other... Yeah. The other question we get a lot is people want to know whether guests on the show, if they're really IMGs, like or what makes them an IMG, is it that they went to a Korean school or are they also a citizen of another country? But I believe you are actually a U.S. citizen that went to a foreign medical school. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. So U.S. citizen, born and raised in the U.S., did undergrad in the U.S., and then Caribbean for med school. All right. And for those listening that have doubts about whether they could succeed, you know, maybe as a U.S. citizen that maybe is uh, attempting to go to a foreign school, what are your words of wisdom for that person? I would say, you know, I'd keep echoing what you and I were just talking about. You know, never give up. Keep doing your best. Don't sell yourself short. Don't, you know, say, oh, just because I don't have bench work, lab, you know, lab bench work publications that I, I'm not going to get in or I can't do it. Just always do your best. Whatever opportunity you have, seize it, do it, make connections, network with everybody you can. I think for me personally, that was one of the biggest things that, that helped me in my match story was networking. I did my, I chose to do my third and fourth year rotation in Detroit, Michigan, because I knew there are a lot of IMG-friendly emergency medicine programs in this area. So I thought to myself, let me pick a rotating spot for third and fourth year where I could potentially meet or rotate at as electives some of these programs. And that's exactly what I did. And even though as IMGs, we have roadblocks, a lot of people are going to tell you, no, we, you, know, you can't rotate here for emergency medicine. We don't take any uh, non-U.S. medical students. That's okay. You say, thank you very much. I'll, you know, I'm still looking forward to applying to your program. And, you know, you have a nice day and you talk to the next program and you find one that will accept you and it'll be a great time. You'll network there. You're going to get great flows and you'll be a rock star. You'll be an ER physician one day too. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that, this message is so poignant. It's important. And we have to say it over and over again 
giving it your best shot and not shortchanging yourself by not putting in 100% every single day. And I think even it applies to, because, you you know, we hear these horror stories of people that went to the Caribbean and attended schools there, but aren't able to match. And oftentimes, I don't know the details of everybody's story, but I believe that if you apply strategy from the very onset, just like you said, your strategy was you'd done your research and you figured out Michigan was friendly for emergency medicine. And then you, your strategy was, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to rotate through those hospitals so I can network, you know, because scores alone are great, but networking adds to that conferences, your research, building up the person around that CV goes a long way. And I like that you're pointing, pointing those things out in your story as well. Now, you know, a lot of people listening are probably going to think, wow, Dr. Hackman, you just had a smooth ride. Nothing went wrong for you. Is that true? Would you say so? Or are there some things that we need to know? Huh. Oh, man, that's, that's, uh, that's a lo- loaded question, Dr. Lin. You know, looking back, I would say, give me one sec. Let me think of this one for Dr. Lin, should I hit on like just having the doors closed with, you know, with, when you've talked to a lot of ER programs and... Yes, go for it. I mean, we want to hear... We want to know that that when we fail, we're not alone in our failure. And if we do fail, what can we do to rise up again? And maybe from your story, if you can share with us some failures that you encountered, some difficulties, some challenges that maybe you encountered because you went to a foreign school. I gotcha. If you want to share some of those kind of details with us, that really helps inspire a lot of our listeners to know that it's not unusual to experience those things. Okay. I got you. So I have one. So, you know, one hardship that I had during the process was always having doors closing for me because I'm an IMG and it's frustrating and you're going to get it. Luckily, I don't get it now as a resident, but that stigma is very much there throughout medical school uh, for whatever reason that is. But during, uh, during third year, when trying to secure ER rotations as electives, I kept calling different hospitals and I kept getting shut down. Sorry, we don't take non-U.S. medical students, and I was I was scared. I was like, "Oh no, I'm not going to be able to get a rotation. I'm not going to be able to to get a slowy, and this is going to impact my future. What I went to medical school for? I wanted to become an emergency physician. So instead of giving up, you know, I spoke about networking. And another important thing is being transparent and talking to talking to your peers and letting letting them know what's going on. So I spoke with. One of the hospitals that I rotated at has an ER, but they're not a residency spot, that ER. So I couldn't rotate there, but I did network with them. I did know, I know, I knew the, uh, the emergency room director there. And so I spoke with him and I, and I had a heart to heart. I'm like, you know, it's so frustrating. Everybody's saying, no, I don't know what to do. He looked at me and said, Eric, don't worry. Let me make a few phone calls for you. And lo and behold, I got some awesome rotations that, you know, when I reached out, they actually said yes, that he connected me with. And I had an, an amazing time. I learned so much, fell in love with their programs and got awesome slows and made great connections. So I would say, you know, you're going to have doors closed on you, but don't let that, you know, shut you down. And also always be open. You know, it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to be vulnerable and talk to other people. You know, it, you don't always have to you know, everything is great. Everything is great. You know, you can be vulnerable. Let them know, hey, I'm having trouble with this. Can you help me? Right. Reaching out and asking for help goes a long way. Absolutely. 
I I agree with that because a lot of times, maybe the person in front of you that you're rotating with or working with in that moment, it's not your place to determine whether they can help you or not. You just want to be able to be open to tell them what you want. I personally believe in the abundance of the universe and just being able to say what I want. And for some odd reason, it just, it comes to me. I believe God answers, someone listens, a person acts in a manner that brings me closer to what I want. But if I don't put that out there, nobody can read my mind and make it happen for me. So it's important for IMGs to gain some confidence and be bold enough to ask for opportunity. And I think that also applies to whether it's another person that's putting your name forward as an IMG, you could decide if there's nobody there to vouch for, you can reach out to programs and get the no's. But amongst all those no's, you're probably going to get one yes, but you'll never know if you never tried. And so I, I really like that from your experience, you validate that point too, to where you were able to be vulnerable and you reached out and someone was able to make some phone calls for you. Now, another question that I get sometimes is, you know, does it help to go to the annual ASEP meetings or any other national meetings for emergency medicine that you think would be helpful for a student to maybe try to attend or present a poster at? Any thoughts on that? 100% yes. Go. I went and it, it secured me a few interviews, I believe. I went as a third and fourth year medical student, which can present at ASEP. I mean, all the hats off to you. I mean, that's, that'll be tremendous on your application. A lot of people will see that. A lot of program directors will see that. And if you can do that, that will be, I mean, uh, that's, I mean, that's, that'll be slammed up for you. So when I went my third year, I actually went into, was speaking with one of the program directors. And she asked me, we were talking, and then she asked me, hey, Eric, what's the weakest thing on your application. And I said, honestly, it's research. I don't, I don't have any. And she's the one that told me about staff roles, <laughs> funny enough. She's like, okay, let's do a staff roles together. And my first staff roles was with the program director of uh, one of the ER programs here in, in Detroit, Michigan. So um, definitely go. You never know who you're going to meet. I would say just you need to be able to, 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 come out of, you know, if, to come out of your shell and just be yourself and go into these conferences. I'd say it's very important. Right. You know, it, it was it was helpful in my story. Right, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us on here tonight. Before we go, we like to know, you know, there's after each one of these interviews, what happens is someone wants to reach out, someone wants more information that maybe I did not touch on. Is there a social media platform that we can reach out to you on and ask you such questions if they did come up? Sure, of course. Anybody can feel free to reach me. On my Instagram, it's at Dr. Hackman, D-R-H-A-K-M-A-N. And I'll be more than happy to talk to you on there. Thank you so much, Dr. Hackman. Any final tips or words of advice before we let you go? Enjoy the journey. I mean, it's, it'll be a great time and you'll, the, the end is near. You'll get there. Thank you so much. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of another episode of the IMG Roadmap podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and on imgroadmap.com. Thank you guys for joining. Subscribe and share with all your friends.